Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Hashtag Please Just Start with Scott Greenhut. We are broadcasting live on the End Results Radio Network inside Perimeter Roofing Studios from the Country Inn and Suites by Radisson Hotel in beautiful Snow Mountain, Georgia. Today I'm going to talk a little bit about empathy and how I really learned to never judge someone, especially when you've never walked in their proverbial shoes. But first, I would be remiss if I didn't give a little background on myself for all my new listeners. So welcome. About Scott. Before the pandemic, I had started my journey as an inspirational speaker. Very long story short, I became the last person living in my immediate family by age 33. My mom passed away from cancer when I was 12 years old. My dad passed away in August 2017 after being on dialysis for seven years, and my sister passed away from her eight-year battle with ocular, ocular melanoma on February 1st, 2019. Between my dad and sister passing away, I was fortunate I was able to lose 110 pounds on my own, eating healthier and exercising. I've worked up to 10 miles on my elliptical on a daily basis, and I haven't had any dessert, fast food, and or fried food since February of 2018. So as I said at the beginning, today I'm going to share a little story about uh, about empathy and about my late sister, Melissa, and I'm grateful to have my co-host Ryan here with me. Thanks, Scott, man. I'm glad to be here, buddy. Empathy is an important topic. Yeah, empathy is very, very important uh, and, uh, on a daily basis, and there's many things about empathy that I like to think about, but the first one's kind of like to just be a kind person, not an a-hole. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And everybody knows what we're talking about. But, you know, um, somebody told me a long time ago, it, I had to get these words. My sympathy is, hey, you know, I'm feeling sorry for somebody, whatever. Empathy, as you said in your opening, is really saying, hey, man, I feel, I can't necessarily exactly know what you're feeling, but mm-hmm. I feel for you. And kind of um, putting your feet in their shoes as in perspective. perspective. Yeah. Wise. Cause I mean, what your story is, what you just explained, I can't relate to that story. Right. Now I have my own stories, right. but you might not be able to relate to the story is, but it's, it's suspending, I would say your own judgment mm-hmm. and thinking it, it, from their perspective, what they're going through, not what you're sitting here thinking yeah. about in, from your vantage point, their vantage point in their moment. Yeah. Because there's a thing, um, I've studied, you know, your, there's mental models and, um, um, can't think of the word a blind spots in our mind uh or our biases mm-hmm. going well i went through this so i can't relate to that well well all bad things are bad things mm-hmm. so i can you can only but empathy is saying you're accepting and you're 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 accepting as they are and trying to understand the best you can right like you said in a kind manner yeah just just being a kind person and just taking kind of taking a step back and maybe realizing it's not about you it's yeah. about them in that moment and that is and i have trouble sometimes myself but that empathy is all about just being a good person and being there for someone how they need it and learning from their perspective not what you think in your moment in your mind with what you're going through is what they're going through and i feel like sometimes i've had people just i mean since i talk about it it's something i've gone through obviously i feel like i haven't gotten a lot of empathy I guess if we're talking about something and like as an inspirational speaker, as I want to be and continue to share my story every day, I realize sometimes that maybe something I want to talk about is something that hasn't gone well for me and I want to bring light to it or maybe, you know, something. You know, it's funny at the heart. Well, there's many things, but uh, one of the big things that emotional intelligence, something I spend a lot of time studying Mm -hmm. is empathy. And I think it's because most people struggle with it. I mean, let's face it. We all struggle with it at times because if we're thinking and, and I'm as guilty as the next mm-hmm. guy. If you're thinking about what you're going through and what you're doing and someone's trying to tell you something and you're kind of like, uh-huh. Okay. So yeah, I'm going back to what I was saying and that that's barely listening, much less empathy. Yeah. I think one thing too, through everything I've been through, I'm going to share a story here uh, just to put it all back to light in, sure. in a few minutes. Looking forward to sharing that is sometimes you have to realize that it, like it's not about 
you, the individual. And once we get that through our head, like if someone acts a certain way and you continue to just learn that, you know, you have to understand that it's just not about you in that moment. And it might be about them. And that's a very good point. And And background of what they've been through. And that person wants to be heard. You Mm want to be heard. Mm -hmm. I want to be, everyone wants to be heard. And sometimes we're all guilty of not listening and not, you know, just going, okay, great. So anyway, let me tell you about my problem, you know, right. So it's a, it's a tough balance. And one more thing with that, kind of like what we just talked about, but also that you have to understand that you, you have to understand that you may just not understand what they're going through. And it's okay. I mean, you know, you can say, you know, I can try to relate to this. Mm-hmm. Um, I maybe do a poor job, but I'm, 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 I'm trying to listen as best I can. Absolutely. That's fair. Absolutely. So as I stated at the very beginning, my sister passed away on February 1st, 2019. So I actually just recently dealt with the three year anniversary of her passing. And at that moment when she passed away, uh, I became the last person living in my immediate family. I say that all the time. Cause it's like, you hear it, whatever, everyone hears it like, Oh, he's the last person in his family. But like, I wake up every day for the rest of my life without a mom, dad, and sister. When I say that the new Scott, who's tried to be quote unquote new and improved and try to continue to get better every day, far from perfect, but do the best I can every day. There was a time when I wasn't, and you knew, you knew Uh, me back then. (laughs) I agree. Um, that I'm not saying that to be felt sorry for, but that's my reality. Every single day is I wake up, I choose so far. I'm very thankful. I've chosen to wake up every single day and be here to even if I'm not necessarily standing in front of people, uh, 10,000 people at the Gwinnett arena or whatever name that is now, yeah, exactly. uh, to, to share my story. It could be just in one, one on one conversation. It could be here on my hashtag, please just start podcast. Uh, or it could be, it could be anywhere. And well, I was telling you before we went on air, you, you, you're doing your job as an inspirational coach. Cause you got me, uh, when I wanted to quit my elliptical the other day, I was like, I can't do it. He's told me too many times. If he can do it every week, I can do it for the two days or whatever it was. Right, yeah. So, so it is making an impact, and uh, um, you know, it's uh, it's just fun to watch. You've, you've, you're you're definitely grown a lot. Thank it was you. really impressive. I appreciate that very much. So, okay, so my sister Melissa Greenhut, she was uh, 37 years old when she passed away, and she had, as I said, she battled ocular melanoma actually for eight years mm-hmm. and one week. She found out. Uh, late January of um, 2011 that she felt something in her eye. So she went to the doctor and they looked in and they're like, uh Oh, and she's like, what? Uh Oh, she had a thriving, she was a funeral director. So she was, she was thriving as a funeral director, helping people. She happened to see our mom take her last breath. Now she says that's not the reason why she became a funeral director. I believed her because she said that, but at the same time, maybe subconsciously, yeah. um, we'll say that. But I was like, I had to have something to do with it. She's like, it didn't. I'm like, okay, we'll, we'll go with that. <laughs> go with that. Uh, uh, but she was the best person I've ever, ever known and always had my back, no matter the smallest thing or the biggest thing. And after, we'll talk about this another time, after I moved to Florida at the between my sixth and seventh grade year, or no, between my, um, between my sixth and seventh grade years when our mom passed away, from cancer. Seven months later, my dad, this is a whole nother story, but my dad sent me to live in Florida with my mom's sister, my aunt. And it was like one of the worst things that's ever happened to me besides all the, all the deaths. And that's when we were getting the closest. She and I were getting the closest. Uh, okay. So it just was like awful. It was just like pulled away. And then she came back to mortuary school, uh, my junior and most of my senior year. So we got even closer and closer. Okay. Uh, so that was really good, but, and always were close, but she went from mortuary school to, um, to Richmond, Virginia, after a year and a half uh, schooling, she had a year and a half apprenticeship. And they said, if you, uh, the funeral, um, funeral school said to her, if you 
uh, get uh, get a job, get offered, would you stay there like for after the apprenticeship? And she said, yeah, if all goes well, then yeah. So she stayed there for a while and everything. But um, so all that to say, just a little background. So we were very, very, very now, close. How, how far were y'all apart in uh, Four years and three months. Okay. So, yeah. So she, yeah, she was August uh, yeah. 24th and I w- I'm November 21st. So just, yeah. just under, you know, four years and three months basically. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, back, so I'm glad to give a little background of that. And like I said, we were very, very close. Now, if you only knew us our last couple of years, she was fighting her battle and basically dying a slow death for so long because she, her, her cancer came in the eye and within a week she had to decide if she was going to take the eye out and take the cancer out, or if she was going to, um, potentially like do like chemo and radiation, mm-hmm. but there's no guarantees either way. Like go ahead and take the cancer out. She did. So within a week she had her right eye removed and had a glass, you know, a fake glass eye. Oh, okay. And so, um, so with, that was within a week. And, uh, with that, with doing that, the problem is you have within two years, a 70, a 70% chance of the cancer coming back, but onto the liver, not liver cancer, but the cancer metastasizing later. I wish wow, I don't. That's yeah. Great. I didn't ever heard I of talked that. to a, a science uh, teacher at Brookwood, who's a basketball coach who had me speak to his team yeah. right before the pandemic. And I was like, I know you'll understand that. I said, I don't understand any of this, but, but so he goes, from yeah, the eye, from the eye to the from liver. The, yeah. It goes from the eye. The cancer goes away from the eye and then it comes back within two years. You have a, like I said, 70% chance of it coming back onto the liver. Not so that's liver. if you take out your eye, if you take out your eye. Yeah. There's other things with other things, Goodness but gracious. but that I just know, cause that's the route she went. So within two years, unfortunately it came back wow. and then it just metastasized. long story short, it just, she, it kind of went away for a little bit it came back on the liver. And then Goodness. if that happens it within four to five ish years, then you're most likely that, um, passed away. You pass away from it. So, so she made that choice mm-hmm. with the eye and the odds and then it did and, reappear in the and I didn't re- know that part. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, I mean, since we're talking about it, I yeah. want to make sure we Absolutely. what she went through. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's oh, it's devastating everything. And she just had the most positive attitude. Like I said, she was a funeral director, like helping people with everything. All that during she had this time. Uh, before, before, uh, before. yeah, okay. she okay. she tried for a little bit, but she was just had to yeah. stay alive. You know, work yeah. on just trying to stay alive. So she was so now to this spe- specific. Here we go. Specific <laughs> story. <laughs> um. So. She was regularly going, so uh, fast forward, she had a fiance, Jay, shout out to Jay, and uh, he loves the podcast, which I appreciate his support. Thank you, and, Jay. Uh, thank you, Jay. Um, and so he was uh, he was up in New York, and so they got engaged, and then she moved up to New York from Bethesda. She moved again as a funeral director a couple of times, but she ended up, uh, like I said, for uh, all for time-wise, she uh, moved from Bethesda, Maryland to New York. Okay. And so... Uh, she was going regularly from New York to Philly for treatments. Okay. And this is, so fast forward now to, uh, uh, Jill, uh, excuse me, to May of 2018 after our, already our dad had passed away in, in August of 17, I was in the middle of losing weight and all that stuff. So just to give you a timeline of my story, if you're following, uh, and so she had a chance to potentially, she was taking out all her cells in her body and this, she was going to sit in a, in a lay in a bed in a hospital for about 30 on average, 30 days for, for an average of 30 days and take it. They were going to take out all the cells in her body, move it around basically. And then she had to like basically sit still. And there was this, this was like the only last ditch effort to potentially, you know, move the cancer around and, and out. So it was called immunobolization, some, something wow. like that. So, so she was regularly, like I said, regularly going from, uh, from 
uh, New York to Philly. Well, this time it was in Pittsburgh, randomly, just on the other side of Pennsylvania. She'd never been to Pittsburgh. I'd never been to Pittsburgh. And I knew Jay was going at the very beginning to be with her to help her set up the room and everything like that. Um, and for, uh, I, I must say this, for all the um, Philly times she was going to treatment, she was like, Scott, don't surprise me. Don't come up here. I was like, okay. I mean, I want to. I want to be there as much as I can for her. But me being there for her was doing what she needed mm -hmm. at that moment. So, like I said, we were already parentless and she had not said for this spe specific time to not come up there for the month. She's going to be there. Now I knew if I went up there, I would get at least a slap on the wrist, so to speak. And uh proverbial, hopefully. Yeah. And yeah. then like, Scott, let me rest and dang it. Why did you come? Or damn it. Why did you yeah, come? Right. But like, I uh, thank you. Not necessarily thank you for coming, but so I kept thinking to myself, we don't have parents here. I'm her brother. We're close, but She's just, she's basically dying a slow death. And I would regret not going to check on her as, as my, I felt like my brotherly duty to go up there one night. Just, I didn't want, don't want to make her mad, but I think I would regret more mm -hmm. not going up there, show, not so, showing my support person. I mean, yes, yeah. but, but not for that reason, but just letting her know I'm here for her and showing that effort kind of instead sure. of just not going. So my, my best buddy, Ben takes me to the uh, airport early I get there and I'm like I find a nurse and again this is all about empathy I do not share this story to speak negatively in light of her just I learned a lot from, yeah. from this so I, I'm going to share this I don't want anyone thinking I'm speaking negatively on her I'm just being honest yep. and how I responded to it best I could so I find her nurse and I say, um, I'm Melissa Greenhut's little brother from Atlanta. And she's like, oh, she's going to be so happy to see you. I said, well, I don't know if she's going to necessarily be happy to see me, but I, I, you know, I really wanted to come see her. So we find her room. She goes, Melissa, uh, you're a little brother. He goes, you have a visitor. And she's like on her, on her stomach, like far, far, the furthest away, like in her bed, face the other way. And she turns around and she like rips into me. The lady, the nurse leaves the room. She is so upset with me. She has cancers coming out of her neck. She didn't want me to see her like this. Mm. And I think she was probably at some point going to stop slowly talk, talking to me anyway, but this, but because to kind of get me ready for the inevitability of her not being here when I, that just is her. I just hated that because I, we already didn't have parents. We already know what that's like. So I was hoping, and she was just, she was fighting for her life. She was, she was so, she was dying just for a long, long time. Even when I knew I walked in seeing Gordon laying there dead, as I always say in his death on his deathbed, I knew she wasn't far behind. That's when I had that gap to lose weight or I would be right, right mm -hmm. after them with just, with no, I, I would just be next. Just, just no, with no choice or anything. Just broken heart and my body broken down, everything, mind, everything. Cause everything is way more clear now in, in general. So she, cusses me out things I won't say on these lovely airwaves and all this stuff. And I just, I, I was, I was sad. I was never mad at her. Cause I, I, and I thought this from the beginning, I just wanted to see her. I just wanted to hug her. And it ended up being my last time ever seeing her. This is May of 18. She died February 1st of 19. And we, and she actually, uh, we talked four more times after that. She was mad at me for like a couple of days. We talked on text and she was just like, you just think of yourself. And like, this is just her. Yeah. I, I'm never going to understand. She's dying. She's leaving behind a fiance in New York and a little brother who's not going to have any family left. I will never know what that's like. That's why I shared this story of empathy. Like I'm so 
so sad that that was my reality mm. every day. I'm sad about it. I'm not mad at her at all. Just because you, when you take a step back, like in the moment, you could be furious or whatever. I was so sad and, and mad at myself that I upset her that much. Mm. That's, that's how I felt, honestly. But she, um, she actually called me this. Well, she called me on my, I sent her flowers for her birthday in in August. So that's late July, you know, well, basically we'll say, um, early June. I didn't, we didn't talk we talked at the very end of May. So we didn't talk June, July. I, uh, sent her, I called her no answer, but I, but I sent her flowers. She sent me a thank you note in the mail. She loves sending mail, uh, mail in the mail. <laughs> um, and so, uh, and so I did that and then um, I got that back. So that made me happy as much as I could. And then I happened, I was laying in bed. I didn't hear from her all day on my birthday. At 11, I clicked my phone, the light come on. No, nothing on my phone. I'm like, okay. 11.01, she calls me and she was so weak, but she goes, I didn't want your birthday to go without me wishing you happy birthday. She was just, like I said, I hate to say, keep saying it, but she was just dying like for so long. It wasn't just like a quick, you know, it was just for so, for so long. She called me and I was so thankful for that. We talked a little bit and that's when my Fox five interview was going to be the following week after that. And so I didn't even talk about her in my interview because she was very private. Like if most people, when I posted that she passed away, um, very beginning of, you know, February, the day after she passed away, most people were shocked who didn't know me that well. Mm -hmm. Cause I didn't put it out there. Mm -hmm. It's her story to share until it became my story of what I went through. So then she, um, so then she calls me, I'll never forget it. She calls me at, 6.37 p.m. Talk about numbers. numbers. 6.37 p.m. In my, I was in my room. It, my phone lit up on Sunday, December 15th. Or actually, sorry, December 6th. I think it was the 16th. It was that, it was that Sunday night of, um, of uh, 28, uh, beginning of 2019, 2019. And I see her number come up and I start shaking. I get like, I start bawling. She goes, I didn't want to call and upset you. I said, you're not upsetting me. I've, I've just been waiting for this moment. I'm just getting the emotions out. And we talked and she apologized for how she goes, I didn't know another way to handle this. Basically. I think at that point she knew mm -hmm. the, you know, we all knew the inevitability, but just like it was sooner than later. And then when she happened to call me that fall to that was, like I said, that was a Sunday evening. She called me not the next Sunday, the Sunday after that. And then, um, and then we talked, I think one more time on the phone and then a little bit, of, she had blocked me on every, on every, uh, Instagram and Facebook. And then when we talked one of that last times, I said, will you unblock me so that I, she goes, yes, I'll do that. I said, I know you won't understand, but I want to be able to tag you and stuff. What, you know, whatever she goes, I understand. So, wow. uh, we, so to be able to have the closure, I say all that again, I don't want anyone to be like, what a bleep. Cause she's not, she wasn't at all. But I, I talked to someone about this one time and they said something and I've never for, like, I've forgiven that person, but I didn't want to have anything to, cause they, they were just like, well, that, that sounds kind of, I'm like, no, cause we don't know what that's like. I was yeah. just, I just share, I just share what I, what uh, my perspective of what I've gone through and that's what I've gone through. And we, we talked four times at the end, but that, but I'll never understand that. And that's where I want to talk about. That's a, I feel like a great example of if I could, which I'm very thankful I can have the empathy of like, I'll never know what it was like to be her. So how can I judge someone when I'm never going to ever be in their shoes to quote unquote, do it differently or whatever. It's just, that's what she went through. That's how she had to handle it. And I'll have to, I have to understand that I'll never understand what she was going through or went through because again, God forbid something was going to happen to me like that. I don't have family. So I don't, I won't ever look at it the same anyway. I just, just, just to give an example. Sure. Of course. So that's kind of my story. And I, and I, and because I, I hold no ill will 
toward her at all. I'm very thankful. I can share this story, very calm, cool and collective and just share it of like anything that anyone else is going through or, you know, with family or anything, because life is very short. Like I said, it, I just recently hit the three year mark of losing my best friend, my sister slash then being the last person in my family. So I just want to urge everyone who's listening and I'll put this out there in my stories, whatever, to reach out to your family as much as you can. Because again, like I said, I was 33 when I became the last person. I've not had it worse than anyone. I'm, I'm no more worse than anyone. It's just, I've already gone through everything that unfortunately everyone will at some point, God forbid, go through in their life because it's inevitability. Mm -hmm. And so I just share my story for, for those reasons every day is do the best I can with my exercise, my eating as good as possible. I try to control the things I can control. And I think that's probably a good uh, point to end the day. Yeah. I mean, I think you control the controllables um, and, you know, there sounds cliche, but it's no, so it's true. true. You know, control is a sports thing, you know, yeah. that, but it's control the controllables, you know, and I, I feel, like I said, we all fall short of doing that at times. And mm -hmm. then secondly, because we're human beings. Yeah, we're so human we're beings. Not, we're not machines. And we, we try to keep a growth mindset, keep growing and mm -hmm. every part of our life best we can. And then be empathetic and care really is, um, you know, I c you can't understand somebody else's situation fully, but you can try to listen and somebody can't understand your situation fully because you've never walked completely in their shoes nor the other way around. Right, absolutely. So I think those, and you sharing Melissa's story to keep that story alive mm -hmm. today, you know, that's a real story to make the point of the empathy. Absolutely, absolutely. So um, I think you're spot on. Good job. Thank you. I appreciate that very much. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Hashtag Please Just Start on the In Results Radio Network inside the Perimeter Roofing Studio from the Country Inn and Suites by Radisson in beautiful Stone Mountain, Georgia. Please stay tuned for upcoming shows or listen to past shows by visiting www.inresults.com with a Z and simply click on the current shows button to hear this and many other shows on the network 24 seven or anywhere you can get your podcast until next time this is scott greenhut signing off this has been another hashtag please just start my hope is you'll live your life with no regrets and go after that thing you constantly think about and hashtag please just start